Hey guys, thank you for checking out Bucked Up. Just before we start, I would love if you'd hit the subscribe button, like, share the video. We have new episodes coming out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And starting in the new year, check out Wrapped Up exclusively on Vivo. This episode is sponsored by Exotic Roots Hydro, which I have to give a huge shout out to. They are a huge supporter of the podcast, and I'm really happy to be working with them. If you're ever in Rochester, New York, and you need to learn about any of your hydroponic needs, go to their shop. You can follow them at Exotic Roots Hydro on Instagram. Shout out their whole team. They have an amazing venue space. Uh, they're going to be putting on tons of events. Just make sure to follow Exotic Roots Hydro on Instagram. And if you're ever in Rochester, definitely stop by. Let's get back into it. It was at this moment that he knew. He bucked up. Now he fucked 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 up. Now you have fucked up. I thought that was pretty good. I was uh... I, actually that's a nice compliment, Sam Buck. Like... No, for real. I was I was very pleasantly surprised. I remember like, you look like, like we hey, uh, found you out on the street. <laughs> yeah, I was just a homeless person they brought yeah. in to make a song. I like that yeah. you've sweat through your head. It's now. <laughs> I just I'm I'm a big fan of comfort, so it's like when I break a hat in, it's like I can't give it up until it gets like really bad. And Do you I'm sleep like, in the hat? No, <laughs> I have before for sure. You'll sleep anywhere. Yeah, I mean I don't care. <laughs> if I gotta sleep, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. So you were going to give that track to Flea, and then you're like, he's taking too long. I'm hopping on this. No, I was just working on a beat. The beat wasn't just for fun. I was just All right. Around. I was about to be like, that's like a weird, I mean, like a different style than what you usually do. Nah, that was just a beat just for fun that I threw it together. And then I was just like, fuck it. I'll just record to it. Your chair is so much higher than mine. Right, hold on. Let me, let me get to your level. <laughs> How much beat. do you remember of the podcast we recorded? All of it. 100%. Oh, really? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> All right. I remember specifically talking about how large the observable universe is and how large the actual universe is. Well, I mean, by estimates and how significant we are as a species. I remember that too. And I remember you saying, we're not insignificant. I think I that like, we were talking about, talking about probability perspective. I was, bro. I was yelling at you, and Yo, I you did, got really upset with that. One. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I was Yo. yelling at you, and I did cry at one point. But no, that's, that was that's some real shit. That, like, Yo, that real. was a great conversation. It's too bad we can't release that because half of it was me going. The only person that would have been able to understand it would be true. <laughs> Stars ain't even listening. Okay. <laughs> he looks like he's nodding off over there, not to sleep. <laughs> uh, oh, good. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> um, so yeah, where do you want to start, man? Do you want to start with like my background? You want to start with why I'm so overweight? Um, <laughs> my speech impediment. <laughs> I'm scared. I don't have one. Are you, you making fun of me? Do you? Yeah. Uh, I oh do. shit, for real? Yeah. After a hockey accident, uh, I can't even tell. Mm. I mumble and I stutter sometimes. The face, though. <laughs> <laughs> Shave your beard. Excuse me. You look like hey, a dude, fucking looking homeless is in now. You look so. If you did, if you didn't make dope beats, you'd be out on the street. <laughs> I'm just no. That's actually oh do. Uh, that is where I want to start. Okay, where you want me to start? The beginning. Why the? Yeah, why the fuck do you even care about music? 
All right, you want me to start at the beginning? Sure. So basically, my parents one day were like, yo, we're going to fuck. And they did it without a condom. And nine months later, my ass came out. Actually, right. supposedly, according to my mom, I was playing. I think she just tells me that to, like, make me feel better. Um, he had a script written. He no, prepared. no. This is, like, this is from your one-man that play. That is true, though. She did, she did actually tell me I was the only planned child. Oh, wow. For real. Now, do I believe it? Eh, I don't believe it. Is any child planned? Hell yeah. <laughs> sure, I'm going through a whole uh, screen testing process right now to make sure that like my genetics and my wife's genetics are okay before we have a child. It's any only, kid only you have is going to be fucked. Nah, definitely not. At least in the looks department. No, she's beautiful. <laughs> I hope. Oh, well, if they get my looks, then yeah, in trouble. But like, if they get hers, then at least they got a. It's gonna come out chance. with the pubes on its chin. <laughs> <laughs> with a full-grown patchy beard at birth. <laughs> all right, you came out. What happened after that? <laughs> well, I mean, all right. So where where you want me to start? Just like my career, like or, no, or I just want to. I, I don't give. I'm not. This isn't an interview. Why not? It's a conversation. Conversation. I don't really like that, but all right. Uh, what do we conversate about? I just Can you kick I, off the conversation. Yeah. The worst host ever. <laughs> this has all been. Uh, he's all right, looking this is the down. Dustin Weber show. He's looking down at his palm. He has everything written down. I, <laughs> I just prepared. No, nah, I do wonder though why you give so much of a fuck about music and put so much time into it because you don't need to. No, nah, I don't need to, but I think when I left my job as CTO of Capital One, that's when I was like, I'm going to make music. And I like kind of decided at that point that I was like, and I was making a crazy salary. I had mad like equity. Like I had so much stuff, like any normal person, if I told them like, what i left they'd be like yo you're fucking stupid but it's not about that like you know you make a certain amount of money and like that's what gives you the power to decide what you really want to do that's all money buys you money buys you the the ability to say fuck you no and maybe like that's that's all money buys you so when you got to that position which is one of the top positions like for technologists yeah that you can get like in the world like yeah i mean just, that's not what you wanted um well i stayed there for like four years oh shit. so i had to stay were so, you like all businessy um no nah, no nah, man no nah, i just i didn't know if you always, had to change who you were like i mean when i worked for general electric yeah i had to wear like suits daily um but like when i was at capital one no no i just was myself and then why'd you leave after four years? Uh, so I sold a company to them called Critical Stack that was a container orchestration platform. And I sold that to them. And part of the deal was that we had to stay there for four years to vest um, the money for the purchase. So after four years, you're like, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah, so I stayed for four years and some change. But like after like I, I was done vesting, I was like, yeah, it's probably time to move on. Was that the last time you were in like the corporate world like that? No, 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 no. I mean, I, I have a day job too. Like a lot of, I don't think a lot of people know that, but I have a full-time day job. Like, and yeah, I mean, you talked about that when, when we first talked a long ass time ago and I was I've so always surprised. had a full-time day job. Like music has always been a hobby for me and I do it, you know, when I have time to do it. Which is so much of your time though. 
I spend a lot of weekends doing it. Every time I get off work, I start working on it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I dedicate a lot of my free time to my hobby. But what, like, that's why I wanted to start. I was like, why? I've always loved music. Like, yeah, but people can make music and then people can be the head of Lord Mob with Flea, make it with some of the best artists. Like, you're yeah. not just doing it as a hobby. It is a hobby for me. Running the company is not a hobby. That I, I'm very passionate about. And I don't run the company. Flea runs the company. But, like, you know, I also do a lot of the tax stuff and, like, you know. Yeah. You know, all the boring shit. <laughs> yeah, but that's such a crazy amount of time to also be doing. So what's your day job now? My day job right now is I'm the chief product officer for a company called Cosmonic. And that is a container, or not a container, sorry, Wasm Cloud uh, based startup. So essentially it's like WebAssembly. You know what WebAssembly is? You know what yeah. Assembly is? Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> It's crazy to meet someone that knows what WebAssembly is, man, or Assembly for that matter. I uh, in the music industry, I'd say. I'm not in the music industry at all. Well, you're a comedian. Yeah, that's why. That's why I fucking ask you about that shit. Is because like, I'm not in the music. Like you just kind of came into the music industry. Yeah, but I've been making music since I was like 16. Yeah, you've played me some of your music. Yeah, but you didn't take it seriously. Um, I mean, I took the art and the craft very seriously, like the, the art of crate digging. I take very seriously, like the art of, you know, sampleless beats. I take very seriously. I mean, like, I mean, I mostly like for a long time in between making hip hop ri originally, then I switched to like more trip hop, like, you know, techno type stuff. We all fucks. Yeah. And then I came back to hip hop later. So, okay, but I want to go back to four and some change. Why do you leave? Why did I leave Capital One? Yeah. Um, because life got too easy. And I'll break that down. So what I mean by that is I was so comfortable uh, financially, career-wise, um, a lot of things and i just decided that well i noticed that i lost my my hunger and motivation and i realized that in there that putting myself in a situation where i'm not making as much money as that and i'm not like getting so many benefits for being there that it would force me to become motivated again and work harder did that happen 100 damn so you just left it and what did you have like a plan? No, not really. That's crazy, I think, for people also to hear, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is. But you have to have hunger. Like, complacency yeah, I, is the thief of joy. Yeah. And it's also the death of innovation. Like, um, to me, like, I wasn't really doing anything that was going to substantially, like, highlight or advance my career as, as, as like someone as a technologist. Right. What can you describe a technologist? Technologist is just like either a software engineer, mm. um, coder of some kind. But you, so you are, a, yeah, CTO. Yeah, like a CTO or VP of engineering or director of engineering. Would you ever give the day job up? I know I a no. lot of this I asked you when we first talked, but we didn't know each other. That that was through Zoom. Like I know you as like a person. 
more now. Yeah. So like, I really do want to know the answers and I'm interested in it. No, I appreciate that. Um, I wouldn't ever give up a day job. I think everybody should have a day job. And the only reason I think everybody should have a day job is because, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but like people like me or the people that think like me have to have a day job. Because if we didn't, we'd probably go crazy. No, I feel that. I feel like I have to give myself the two jobs. And I feel like that's not that, but that's why I can be successful is because I give myself the stand up and the podcast. And when I had the two and I was pushing both forward, difficult. It, but it also gave me the challenge in life I needed. Like, mm-hmm. and it even like I'm still challenged, but like I'm so much more fulfilled now making like doing this than when I had was in a job where I was like, yeah, I was a marketing I, manager of a food chain. Like I was, that's fire. I was making good money and right out of college. I don't think people know like how young you actually are. Like, like to be that for a food chain at your age, that's crazy impressive. It's all, it's all, but see, this is, I was yelling at you when we were tripping because it's like, that's all driven by like self doubt or so like the, Oh, we talked about this imposter syndrome. Exactly. Which is like a huge problem in software engineering. Like pretty, pretty much any craft, I would say. Anywhere that you get success because people who teach you, usually the people who are around you aren't successful. So, or as successful as you are going to get. So when you get that, you don't have any basis of the people you're around. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I necessarily consider myself successful. I would consider myself someone who made a good amount of money, but needs to do a lot more. See, you have the exact same shit I have because anyone else would say you're one of the most successful in two different fields. I mean, as far as like computer science goes, like, yeah, I was at a, at a point in time, I was on my shit. Like, so, I mean, I'm not trying to brag. This is just my life shit I did. Like, so when I was in my early 20s, basically, I, I spent my entire 20s working on a piece of open source software I created called Snorby. And Snorby. That's the thing you're most proud of. you told And me. it is the thing I'm most proud of for sure. Like, because it's, it was a big accomplishment for me, but like, essentially what it was is it was like the first web application for intrusion detection systems. So it was a really easy way and intuitive way for people to basically pick up an intrusion detection system and go like, okay, I know how to implement this. And I ha- now have a user interface that allows me to like actually leverage the data and make actionable like responses. So that, that was big for me. So and like, that blew secu- up. like protection for cybersecurity. Yeah. At one point it was being used by CERN. Like if you know who yeah. CERN is large hydrogen collider, we've talked, <laughs> we about, talked that. about Yeah, It was used by NASA. F- any, like every four letter agents. Or you said you spent your whole you think of. Yeah. I just dedicated. When did my you start programming? Yeah, when did you start that? Snorby? Mm-hmm. Oh man. I don't even remember. Maybe like. When I was like 22 or something. Because you say I'm doing shit for my age, but if you're starting that at 22. Yeah. When did it finish? When did I finish Norby? Yeah. I don't think I ever finished it. I kind of just stopped working on it. When did you stop working? Um, so I, when I started my first company called ThreatStack, um, I transferred the intellectual property of Snorby into the company, which is a very terrible idea. I don't, I don't recommend that to anybody. 
<clears throat> don't ever give your personal open source or, or personal projects to a company to try to increase the value of the company. Because essentially, once you take on investment and lose control of the company, it's no longer your company. So, And then you just had to give it up. It's not that I gave it up. It's that I, I thought that it would drive the value of the company up. And at the time, I was like, oh, the company is me. So therefore, this is a great idea. And when you raise capital, you slowly give away more and more equity in the company until eventually, you know, you don't have controlling shares anymore. How do you start it? This is so dumb, but this is something that I'm going through right now. As you know, we've talked uh, yeah. like about like starting a company. Like I know I'm doing starting a company that's very different than the first one you're doing. But like it depends on the type of company. I mean, here's the here's the facts. When you start a company. Be prepared to not make much money. Be prepared to be incredibly stressed all the time. Uh, be prepared to fail a lot. And be prepared to not succeed at what your mission is. Because most startups fail. Shit, majority of startups fail. Probably over 90% of startups fail. 10% probably only make it through. And, and in that case, most of those, and I would say probably 5% of the ones that even make it through probably end up just liquidating and selling off the assets to repay the investors. How many businesses have you started? Company. Uh, man. Uh, probably like six. Any failed? Why? Oh, lucky. You really think? Yeah. You really do believe in luck? Um, well, it's like one of those weird imposter syndrome things, right? Like, so a lot of, like what I'll say a lot of the times I'll be like, anybody could have done this. And then people always reply to me and well, yeah, anybody could have done that, but you were the one that did it. But is that enough to really say like, yeah, this is an accomplishment. Like, yeah, I did this like, and yeah, I should be proud of this. Like, just because I was the one dude that like decided to execute, like, and we talked about that, That'd like it's everything about success has to do with execution. Like you can have great ideas your entire life, but if you don't execute on any of them, then you, you'll die poor. When you were 22 <laughs> and you started started working on Snorby, did you know that you were going to be successful with it? No, no. At Not that even point, in the back of your head? No, actually, I was pretty anti, like, I wouldn't say I was, like, anti-capitalism, but I wasn't really interested in wealth at all, like, or fame. It was just mostly, actually, my motivation came from gaining respect from open source like it was cooler to me for someone to be like yo like that's an awesome project like thank you for contributing it for free to everybody like that was cooler to me and then when people started writing books about the software that i wrote then i was like oh my god like this is even better like that's the icing on the cake like when someone actually takes the time to write an entire chapter in their book that's about insane. a piece of software you wrote for fun like in your spare time like that's cool Damn. But you didn't think it was going to, you didn't think you'd start companies. You didn't No, think, at that time, no, nah, not at all. Mm -mm. What type of person with, were you wild, anti, anti-establishment? When, like in my 20s, early yeah, 20s? Yeah, like 22 when you started. 
Um, super introverted, very focused on education and not like formal education. I'm self-taught in everything that's made me successful. Like I didn't go to college. I didn't go to school for computer engineering or software engineering. Like I learned it all my own, um, by myself. Same thing with, with music. I've, I don't have no traditional background or classical training in music. But I you just, said you could pinpoint the exact moment that you realized you got the passion, which was in that program. Yeah. When I first started working on Snorby, I realized that like, I really love programming, but I mean the program that you said that you were in a kid where they would teach you about it would teach you different facts. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, so for anybody that doesn't know, I grew up in, in Moscow, Russia, and I went to what's called an IB school, it stands for International Baccalaureate. And it's a school curriculum that's basically like accredited, like universally, like globally. Um, and part of the IB course is taking a class called the Theory of Knowledge. And the entire point of the class is to teach you about why learning's fun. So we would go over like different types of philosophy. Uh, we would go over like interesting like facts, like you know that uh, uh, Inuit people like have over like I don't remember. I, I'll be wrong if I say anything, but they have like a ton of different words to describe snow. So it's like the human language. We have snow. We have sleet. We have hail. We have whatever. Like. Yeah. Inuit people like literally have a term for wet snow or snow that is crunchy when you step on it. Like learning that type of shit was like really interesting to me because I was like, okay, like learning actually can be fun. Like it's just, I've been learning a bunch of dumb shit that's not relevant to my life. And that's not really relevant to my life either, but I found it interesting. Well, that's what made me start like when I was 16, 17, and I had to get, I got in my hockey accident. And I had to lay in a dark room for a month. All I did was listen to podcasts. <laughs> Sorry, listening to podcasts? I had to listen to, God damn it, this podcast is over. No! I'll smash the click no! bottle. I'm having no, fun. I was just I kidding. Too, I'm just kidding. No, but I had to listen to podcasts. And like, that was when I first learned that you could like have fun. It's dumb, but like have fun learning. Like, literally, I learned so much. I learned how to like, take care of myself from listening to podcasts at a young age. And that's why, like, I care so much and ask so much about, like, how to be successful, whether that be mentally or in a business sense or otherwise, because I hope someone out there listens to this and can it helps their life like fucking podcast did mine in like a serious way, not in like a like in yeah, actually like whatever but before the pod before i had listened to that i was lost and then podcasts made me find like a an actual path yeah i think that's cool man i mean i think we all like as individuals have something like that like for me like music and recording and like doing like little raps here and there like that was like a form of therapy for me and every and here's the thing i think every human being has an innate drive to want to create something i think the natural high you get from creating something that didn't exist until you made it is what we live for well that's why stand up if i can write a joke and that night go on stage in a room of people laugh at it like that's a better feeling than anything yeah 
anything. Like, and when do you think you'll feel that? <laughs> and for the record, Sandbach is actually really funny. <laughs> On stage, though, I'm not funny off stage. No, well, this is serious. I know you're not no, funny right now. So like, People are, when they see me do stand up, they're like, Jesus, you're so dark and like say inappropriate stuff. Cause on the podcast, yeah, like, I'm I'm like, lie. when I heard your opening joke, the one that you usually lead off with, I was like, <laughs> whoa, dude, I was not expecting that. Cause my but, podcast like, is like shock value. You know? Like, people yeah. like, and people like real stuff. Like I sounded like that was like some real shit you thought about. Like 100% everything. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's like, it's why I like rap music. It's real. It's like, yeah. thank you for doing this interview with me. Of course. Yeah, it's fine. It's going to be on the Dustin Weber podcast uh, under Lord Mott coming out soon. I'm just happy that we're doing an interview where our stomach isn't hanging out. <sighs> Should I bring it out? <laughs> I don't know. How many <laughs> is, months? Is that going to get us marked? How on, many uh, months? Is that going to get us marked on uh, YouTube for a strike? For appropriate visuals? Probably. Uh, it's just the miracle of life. It's going to go on the same fucking Like, man, I'm playlist, the first man yeah. to ever be pregnant. That's uh, not true. It's 2021. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's true. I'm not no longer you special piece of in that shit. regard. Yeah. God damn it. The serious interview got crazy. You gotta, that's again. your job, though, bro. You got to steer it back. You got to let the <laughs> crazy guy go off, and you're like, <laughs> are you the crazy guy? Yeah, I'm totally crazy. Do you ever regret not getting into music sooner? No. Never thought about it. Do you regret anything? Yeah, of course. Anybody who doesn't regret anything hasn't learned anything. Like that's a part of life is regret. Like, I've seen like like Sean Connery did an interview where he's like, I don't regret anything. Motherfucker used to beat his wife. You don't regret that? You're fucked up. No offense to Sean Connery. I think he's dead. Is he? Oh shit. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think you need to do it. Isn't he dead? I don't think so, dude. I don't know. But like no one knows. So who cares? <laughs> <laughs> we should google it i think he is but like yo he no 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 anyways, I, I honestly right. let's not talk about sean connery let, let the man rest <laughs> in peace if he is dead if not sorry dude but i hope he's listening to the podcast come on buck up <laughs> well we can get bernie's it. yeah yeah so anyways like yeah i don't know i don't i don't really regret anything really to be honest oh actually i won't what's that oh okay so i I regret a lot and I don't regret a lot. I'm out 50, 50, <laughs> 50, 50 on regret. Well, there's regret and wishing that things could go differently or there's looking back at times in your life and realizing you made the wrong decision. I mean, there's decisions I've made where immediately after I made it, I was like, yeah, that was not a good decision. And then there's times where it took me like a good two years to understand like, that was the incorrect way to handle that particular situation. And now that I'm older and wiser, I can learn from my failure and move on. Why did you, you got to the top of like the business world and then you want to put yourself out there in like the public eye, making I've music been in the public eye though. Like from, well, I'm not trying to say like, Oh, I was famous or something, but like, open source software like i was in the public eye for sure even then but then why did you want to switch like that's what i mean like that's why i asked like not uh like regretting not getting into music sooner it's like why was that choice made to do it 
because you don't as you said like you don't need to do it like it's a hobby but like you also do it have i I said like look at where we are right now yeah like well like i said dude like money only buys you three things fuck you no and maybe so i was able to say fuck you to a job although i still have a day job but i was able to say fuck you to two jobs and replace one of those jobs with making music and being crazy good at it i wouldn't say that i'm crazy good at it but like, who, who do you up, have coming on your new album some of the best names in hip-hop yeah yeah well flea like pray for the evil three he's gonna have fat joe ufo Thief, cormega uh conway <laughs> stars um stars coleman Damn, I'm gonna miss somebody and like Flea's gonna be like, yo. Uh anyways, it's multiple people. Let's put it that way. It's the imposter. Do you get imposter syndrome to like a hateful version of yourself, or do you just get it? No, no, no. Like I I don't really have imposter syndrome when it comes to being a technologist, like writing software, like that I'm okay with, which is weird because that industry has a huge problem with it. Like, I wouldn't say that I have imposter syndrome in hip hop. I just know that I'm an outsider to hip hop. And when you do that, you feel like you're way more motivated and you have to do a lot more to prove your worth and your, your contribution to the culture. You have a laser focus on you. And as you should coming as an outsider, someone that didn't help build it. How long did it take you to make Snorby or at least put it out into something that like? Um, well, I built, rebuilt Snorby twice. So my entire 20s were basically consumed by. It's like 10 years? Yeah, building, building software, open source software specifically. What was the first album you put out, produced for Lord Mom? For Lord Mom? Pretty yeah. for the evil. What was that? That was Flea. Flea no, I know the album when. Ooh, I don't even remember. Like two years ago? I've only been doing this for about two years. Right. You ever put that in perspective? No. Because I've been making beats since I was like 15. So I'm like, yo, I should be way better. But, you know. Yeah, but you were doing is. all the other shit. You weren't taking it. We were talking about this, about like the choice you make, like making that choice, like executing. You weren't, even if you were making beats and stuff, you weren't executing on making it like. It was for fun. Yeah. It wasn't like, it was always a hobby. Two it years. still is a hobby to me. Like the business is not a hobby to me because like, you know, people depend on that. But me making music and being a producer is still a hobby. Like I could still benefit the company without producing. Is that a hard balance to keep? No, 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 not in my opinion, because I mean, I mean, Flea, you know, he does his thing and he runs the company from a vision standpoint, but you know, I, I try to help where I can on stuff that I've learned from building companies in the past. Like, you know, where to incorporate your company always incorporate in Delaware. Why? Because federal taxes are way better or sorry, state taxes are way better and more lenient towards corporations in Delaware. So is that the first time you invested in a person like that not a a program software well i invested into lord mob as a company but that's also a person as a vision well flea was the main artist at that point in time so yeah you say that like you know when i invested into lord mob my investment was because i knew flea was going to be something great 100 percent 
And that was the first time you had done something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never put money towards like music, like ever. Why was that different? That was different because that was me finally like taking a step into the music industry for real. But why? I told you, like, because I made a bunch of money and I was able to tell people, fuck you. And I want to do what I, I don't do. know. I don't accept that answer. I will ask, ask, <laughs> ask me, I guess, rephrase the question. All right. Um, you, I know this already. You met Flea backstage at the Conway show. Yeah, the Freddie Gibbs at the Freddie show. Gibbs yeah. show at Big Night Live. Yeah. I was also at that show. Great show. You met him. You knew his music beforehand. I knew Rock America with Ito. Yeah. You met him, you talked to him. What was that conversation like? Well, the, the thing I respected the most is like, yo, I was like, it's not really, it wasn't really my scene. Like a friend of mine, like, you know, kind of like put me on all this. And like, I would mostly just go with him and like, you know, I would help him like, you know, like fun projects he wanted to do and get certain rappers to rap on him. He was a big Conway fan. So like I initially started working with Conway and like helping my, my friend basically put together a Conway album. So I just funded that whole project for him. Um, so you had, I, I started, I started having fun, like while I was doing that, I think when I started doing that and people were actually like fucking with my beats on organized grime, which is the traumatic Conway album, like, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like, maybe I can, like, do more with this. But backstage, I give Flea a lot of credit because I was just standing there kind of observing. I'm kind of a person that likes to, like, you know, be invisible. I just like to observe. Like, I listen more than I talk. That's funny saying that you've been in the public eye for a long time. Yeah. All right, so you're there quiet. Yeah, and Flea just started, stroke up a conversation. Like, hey, who are you? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm me fucks. Like, I make beats. They're like, oh, weird. Or word that weirds that nerd weird. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, up. Um, I remember saying something about the name being weird, uh, or something like that. But anyways, he, we just chopped it up, and he was a cool guy, like super down to earth, and just was having a conversation. And he was kind of chilling in the cut, observing too. So it's like, you know, I think we both knew that we were both observing everything. So we were just like, ah, fuck it, let's have a have a conversation yeah so and then after that you know conway and flea stopped by my studio in boston the day after the day after the concert and i was like yo flea like let's 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 work on an album so we negotiated a price for the album and we got started hey guys this episode is sponsored by the podcast woody two shoes hosted by comedian thatcher wood other than being a really good friend, Thatcher is one of the funniest comedians and podcasters I know. A Woody Two Shoes is available on all podcast platforms. It's a comedic podcast where he interviews a different interesting person each week, and they get into a bunch of different topics. Uh, you should subscribe to his YouTube channel, too. At 100 subscribers, he's given away merch. At 500 subscribers, he's given away a PS5. That's right. Yeah, a PS5. So make sure you go subscribe to Woody Two Shoes on YouTube and uh, follow Thatcher on Instagram at Wood Two Shoes. Two is in the number. Wood Two Shoes on Instagram. Let's get back into it. Ooh, damn. That night? Nah. Well, I mean, I think we did a started a song that day, but nah, like I just, you know, 
we decided on on it was like, something different just about him like energy wise why i wanted to like work yeah. with flea mm-hmm. uh i liked rock america dude i thought it was like a fucking really insane album so and like you know i was working with just primarily conway at the time like the only person i was producing or making beats for was conway and it's not like he was using all of them like he only used two of them that made it on onto organized grind yeah draco and and uh ptsd but um yeah that's just like the way it was and like when i came back from russia when i moved back to the states well um like 2005 so when i came back in 2005 and this is no joke the only things i listened to for probably until i was like and this is gonna sound so crazy but until i was maybe 28 or 29 all i would listen to was mob deep and when i got tired of mob deep i'd switch to gangstar and when i got tired of gangstar i'd switch back to mob deep and i did that for probably nine years yeah like no joke that's all I. how'd you find mob deep um i mean i think anybody that that's into hip-hop knows who mob deep is like they were yeah just like, but if you had that special of a connection with them you don't have like a moment you remember i mean the first time i heard give up the goods i was like this is the most incredible beat and this is the most incredible rapper i've ever heard and the entire album of shit i mean hell on earth and i mean most of them are all of them to me actually are classics but temperature rising like up north like you know on a trip like yo like all that shit's fire man and the beats are incredible so it's like i was mesmerized by the beats and production uh but also the lyricism and coming like i was always a gang star fan that was like the first like rapper i really started listening to uh, was guru and like you know dj premier as a producer is you know the goat in my opinion there's no better producer than dj premier in my opinion have you ever met him uh yes i have met dj premier yep yeah i got to shake his hand and he congratulated me on getting married oh really yeah and thank you to flee for making that happen that's crazy so it's like yo if i were to quit hip-hop today i would quit knowing that i met my idol in production hip-hop production do you see yourself quitting mm, i've wanted to before like back to like the whole imposter syndrome thing like you know when you're in creative industries or doing a job that strictly depends on creativity like it's very easy to get burned out it's easy to get burned out and it's easy to get discouraged because you're not making something that you think or what you think other people will find interesting um so yeah i get discouraged all the time and i'm like yo fuck this and i don't i won't do it for like a week and then i'll come back and be like oh man like i just made something amazing i am the best (laughs) but i think like the one thing in my life that was always continuous was my belief in myself everything i tried and everything i did i would always tell myself that i was the best in the world that it no matter what it was, it didn't matter. It, it, like it could be raking leaves and I'd be like, yo, I'm the best in the world at this. I would tell myself that like, and believe it. It's a mentality thing. 
Yeah. I think it's, it's just, it's just a way of thinking. So like a, like a mental exercise. When you were young and you said you got in trouble young. Yeah. Yeah. I got into a lot of trouble when I was younger. What did you see your future as? Before I went to Russia, not good. I mean, most of my friends back in Kansas are either dead or in prison. Did you see that as your future? Um, I mean, all my friends back in Kansas sold drugs. Um, would I have ended up that way? I mean, there's a good possibility, yeah. But luckily, that's not what happened. You went to Russia. Mm-hmm. Why get your dad for work? But why did you leave Kansas? <laughs> so, oh my God, I shouldn't even talk about this, but whatever. Fuck it. Um, I think it was like maybe a week before I was about to move to Russia. My two friends and myself, we knew where to find some beer. We knew that this one friend's dad always kept beer in a cooler in his garage. So we went over to the garage, broke that shit, opened it, took all the beer out and drank it all. And what happened after that was like a blur. All I know is like at one point we climbed on top of Walmart and did some shit. <laughs> we climbed on top of a bunch of buildings and did a bunch of dumb shit. And then uh, we were walking back to my friend's house and we were walking through a construction site where they were building a Wendy's. And like all we heard was like, whoop, and like fucking six to seven police cars pull up guns drawn while we're right in the concrete foundation like of this wendy's and they're like yo like get the fuck on the ground like guns point we were little kids yo well not little but like maybe like 15 or something like that um and we were all put into three separate police cars and i remember the cops coming to me going oh friend a just told us that you did everything i was like bullshit you want to say that fuck you like whatever like i don't know what you're talking about we were just like having a sleepover and we're going back to his house right now i don't know what you're talking about he's like well all right then he came back and he's like oh friend b just said that it was all you too that's two people saying that it was all you and i was like all right well i have two options here uh keeps keep the keep the lie or rat on my friends and i just kept with a lie but it turns out they did actually rat on me and said it was all yeah so i got i got into some trouble for that but like luckily you know i was able to get out of it and my friends weren't as fortunate as me like literally the only reason i think i got off with what i got off with from from the dumb shit we did was because like i was going to russia and the judge actually even said well he's russia's problem now like and like then Damn. they let me go but my friends weren't as lucky you they, didn't want to go to russia no nah, hell no like what kid at that age would go oh yeah take me to a country where i can't speak the language at all in the middle of like or the start of high school no no one wants to do that yeah shit sucked but it actually was the most amazing experience of my life. You get to Russia. What was it like? Like a lawless country. Uh, I was able to go buy vodka, cigarettes, anything I wanted. Like there was no law. Like there's law, but like if you have money, you can pay off a cop for anything. 
like there was a crazy incident where we were actually we had a car packed with 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 friends and we didn't have enough room for one of my friends named matt which was a diplomat he was a u.s diplomat so we put him in the trunk and we got stopped at a checkpoint you know russian guards holding ak-47s and we get stopped at a check uh checkpoint and he the friend in the trunk thought we were at the place we were going to so he's like yo let me out and the cops heard that shit they open it up and they see a fucking kid laying in the trunk and he's got diplomatic papers on him and like they immediately just like put the rifles right in our faces like yo what the fuck you know like what are you doing like what's going on here and they were like we don't care like if he was just in there like for whatever like this is weird so anyways we just gave him like 500 rubles which is like 20 bucks and then they let us go we could have been like taking that dude to kill him like they wouldn't have cared (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the the most memorable moment and like yo this was before i even moved to russia full-time i went to go visit moscow before i moved there like full on and they used to have linen on display so a mummified linen when you go to red square where the kremlin is and you could actually go into a building and see linen's body preserved it started to like deteriorate and fall apart like over the like the last few years so they don't do it anymore but i was lucky enough to get to see it and um i remember looking at linen and the next thing i know i woke up on the ground what had happened was is the guard uh hit me in the head with an ak-47 because i had my hands in my pockets and i guess he was saying in russian to take my hands out of my pockets but i didn't speak russian oh the next thing I, know, I just woke up like on the floor damn he knocked you out yeah he hit me like straight in the back of the head with a with the butt of the gun how'd you get into that program then uh my dad's company paid for it did he do that to try to like straighten you out no 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 that was just the only american school in russia well they call it an anglo-american school so like canada english and american it just seems like if you were that type of kid that wouldn't be something that would like be benefit or like something you would like difficult the the curriculum was incredibly difficult and you had to do it had to do it yeah there's no choice there's no other schools to go to did were you failing at first no surprisingly i kept a pretty good c average (laughs) but like yeah like and i was taking crazy classes like fucking higher level physics and shit like i was taking weird classes i shouldn't have been taking but like um i don't know i just i just made it through somehow did it change you or were you still like a wild kid no it changed me completely in that school everything that you that was popular in american schools was not popular to these kids like intelligence was popular like being smart was popular like being involved in like school activities was popular like it was fucking crazy it's like you ever seen like 21 jump street yeah you know when they go back to school and like people care about the environment and shit yeah like that was that school like i came in there like okay who the fuck am i gonna beat up first to prove i ain't a bitch these people <laughs> like, you and know? you came out hate not hating america but hating like cap anti-establishment nah dude i was never anti-establishment <laughs> yeah, i'm a you- libertarian yeah, but you were talking about like computer hacking and oh, all yeah, that yeah. shit was, and being, and you did say anti-capitalism. No, I've never been anti-capitalist. You, you didn't you say that at the beginning of the podcast? I went through like maybe a phase, yeah, but it wasn't long. Lasting. I wasn't sure if you came out of so like 
what made you get into then cyber hacking like shit's fun man i don't endorse it but it's fun as shit yeah but what made you get into it um boredom why that um do a lot of other shit if you're bored because like i lived in russia i couldn't speak the language man so it's like my life kind of became computers so it's like what i would do there used to be this chat thing called internet relay chat irc and it's where like all like the i guess like the the cool kids quote unquote would hang out like in in irc and like chat about shit and i'd have to wait until it was nighttime in russia so i could talk to people that were in america so i'd stay up all night like talking to people on the internet and like sleep during the day and then wake up at night again and talk to people on the internet and like slowly like a love for like i guess hacking or like what we would call that at, at that point in my my stage of my career i'm what we would call script kitty so script kitties are like people that use software to hack into things that they didn't write themselves they just use other people's software instead of writing their own or being clever enough to figure out their own exploits so at that point in my time in time i was definitely like what would be called a script kitty you came back to america at what age like 18 18 going on 19 so you were in russia what two three years no nah, man since uh end of middle school till a year after high school so about like six six years six seven seven if you count like going to st petersburg and shit before like like the times i visited without living living there so you come back and what do you do got a job doing what (laughs) my first job was a piece of delivery keep in mind this was before gps man that shit's difficult (laughs) reading a fucking map in the dark when you're trying to find like a specific place to deliver a pizza without gps man that shit was tough and you're creating Snorby while you're doing this? No, nah, so I didn't even start programming yet. So what are you doing? Just just working. Yeah, just trying to find a job. What did you think? What did you want with life? I didn't know. I don't think anybody really knows. That's not true. I know. I well, knew. I knew since I was young. I always wanted to like, I knew I always wanted to do certain things, but like, I wasn't like. Like what? something with computers yeah i always knew it was going to be like something with computers i knew that much because i liked everything about computers from the hardware to the software to the operating systems to kernel development to like compilers to whatever like i liked it all something different that was that was your path that was what was yeah i knew it was going to be something computers but i would have never gotten into computers if it wasn't for first of all not being able to speak the russian language and feeling isolated and two i got into music so i was doing a lot of recording on my computer and making beats with pirated software and that kind of spiraled into like more involvement into like you know how do you actually crack software yeah but you came back and weren't doing that shit no i got a job everybody needs to have a job like how long did you have that how long were you working not doing that before you started working snorby was the first thing you worked on yeah but i was working on that while i was employed how long how long were you back in america before you started working on it Uh, god maybe like five years or something like that i didn't start programming until i was about 27 i think why why'd you start why did i start programming to automate my job 
So I worked the overnight shift at a security operations center. So like essentially like we would look for security events or security attacks on customer networks. And then we would call them and notify them of, Hey, X and Y is happening on your network. You're going to have to take care of this. Like, here's all the information we captured, you know, of the attack, you know, we'll let you know if we see anything else. Like that's, that was my job. And like, I worked night shifts, so I worked overnight. So I started writing, I started learning how to do software development so I could automate my job so I could learn other things while I was working. Damn. Yeah. What? Like, By what? you just knew that you could create a program that was... No, it took a ton of hard work, dude. Like, trying to learn how to program by yourself. That's why I'm asking. What, like, what, what was the... Do you remember the day that you decided you were going to do that? Yeah, I was bored of the job. Like, yeah, I started learning, like, programming, like, while I was doing that job. I was just so bored. Did you realize it was going to be... It was going to change your life at that point? Not at all. No, nah, not at all. When did you? I wrote another piece of open source software called Nifty Scan. Terrible name, but essentially what it was is it was a version of Qualys. There's a company called Qualys that makes a ton of money doing like vulnerability assessments, like cloud-based vulnerability assessments. They weren't cloud-based at that time. They may have actually been, but anyways, I wrote a competitor to that. And if that company would have been somewhat savvy at all on the trends of software development and how software was going to be delivered like if they would have taken that pride i tried to give them that project like just for like yo i made this like y'all want this and they're like no nah, we don't want it if they would have taken that they'd been a billion dollar company by now really oh yeah for sure did you know at that time that that was a yeah when i built that i was like yeah you're you're actually really good at this and I'm what they call like a unicorn and like I'm someone that can do interface design and backend development. So I can do what we call full stack development. It was just natural when it came to you, when you started learning, I watched a lot of videos, a lot of educational videos and just taught myself. But you loved it. Loved it. Yeah, you had to have a passion it. for it. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That's why you couldn't teach anyone because they don't have a passion for it. I think you can teach anybody to program. But if they don't have a passion for it, if they don't have the well, dedication. Well, yeah, if they, if they don't care, then yeah, you can't teach someone that doesn't care. But I think everyone cares about something different. Sure. But if someone cared about programming, anybody could learn programming. Would you teach them? I've taught a lot of people. I mentored a lot of people. Because I had a mentor. His name was Postmodern. He's a, he was a hacker who wrote an exploitation framework called Ronin. And he that was, sounds familiar. Yeah, he was my, he was my mentor in um, the Ruby programming language, which was a Japanese programming How language. How did you find your mentor? On IRC, Internet Relay Chat. In a, in a channel for Ruby, for Ruby programming. How what like you just met like if he changed your life that much? I still talk to him all the time. Oh really? Oh yeah. He saw something in you. Nah, I don't know if he saw anything in me. I think he was just like, oh, this dude's interested. So like, fuck it, I'll I'll let him help. This is what I read a lot of his code. I would read his code like it was a book. 
I would read every function he wrote, every algorithm he wrote, every how he would structure his code. I would copy the way he structured his code because everything was beautiful. Like this guy was like really crazy with it. Um, so I, I stole, I wouldn't say stole, but I was very impressed with the way he did a lot of the things he did. And, and I borrowed it. Yeah. So he, when did he pick you up? Like he taught you, he mentored you. Mentored me, but he didn't like, we didn't sit down and like have, like there was no Zoom or anything back then. It was just, it was talking, just you yeah. know, internet relay chat, which is like a very simple text. It's like, it's a, it's a line-based text protocol. Like it's the simplest type of network transmission of data you could think of. Like it's very simplistic. Yeah, but it changed your life. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why, why people, that's why I was getting so passionate about in our last conversation yeah yeah it's because like these little things that might seem so insignificant or so like they so chance to happen the, that's why i ask you if you believe in luck do i believe in luck yes like all that stuff i believe in a few things i believe in karma that shit i can guarantee you exists 100 percent, without a doubt if you're a good person like good things will happen to you. It's just, that has ha been such a major factor in my life. Like it's been ridiculous. Do you have imposter syndrome that you aren't a good person? No, never. I know I'm a great person. The greatest. Yeah. For the real. humblest. So it's no, nothing to do kidding. with being humble. No, just, I just know that I've never wronged it. I've been, I've done dumb shit, but I've never wronged anybody. I don't know. I feel like I know I try so hard to be a good person. I know, but like, I don't know. I get imposter syndrome for that too, because I'm like selfish in the, like, oh, selfish. I've done a lot of selfish shit. Don't get me wrong in that. Like the thing is, is like, you have to like pick your battles. You got to pick what you want to be hard on yourself about. Yeah. Like I chose to be hard on myself about, intellectualism like and software engineering like i didn't give myself a hard time for like damn i just said something rude on accident or like damn like i could have been like more polite in this particular scenario or like whoops like i didn't communicate as well as i should have like i was more like you need to be better at this you need to be better at this you will be the best at this are there days where you don't feel the greatest Is that something you had to teach yourself or is that just definitely, something that you're born? Definitely positive reinforcement for years. I mean, I spent from my twenties until now and I'm 36. I've told myself that every day I woke up, I start my day with that thought that I'll be the best at whatever I do. As long as I try like a mantra, not a mantra, just, you know, just a fact. Cause if you try, then how can you fuck up? You have to be on the pursuit of the best version of yourself, not the best person. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I think that's true. I think that's a big thing. And I think that is when I changed my mind is when I wanted to every day try to be the best version of myself. Yeah.
you fall off some days. That's why I ask if there's days you don't feel it. Cause like there's days no, I fall I mean, off. There's days that I don't feel creative. So I like, I don't want to work on music for a while. Like, or I don't really feel like, what do you do to relax? I don't know, man. I'm a very stressed person like by nature. So like small shit that wouldn't stress most people out would stress me out. Like going to a place with a lot of people stresses me out. Like, um, I don't know. I get stressed by the dumbest shit. Is it because like, you let the big, the big shit doesn't stress you? No, nah, I have OCD. So I have a mental disability or mental disorder that causes me to have circular thinking and, and irrational thoughts. And we talked about how that can be beneficial too, but it's also detrimental in ways. I look at it as like a superpower, but at the same time, it's got its flaws. So like, yo, my kryptonite was definitely like social interactions. Real. How'd you change that? Mm, I didn't. <laughs> I went to therapy. I'm still going to therapy. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a mental illness. It doesn't go away, bro. It's, it's yeah, but you, do you feel like you're more social now than you were? Nah, I'm better at pretending though. You think that actually pretending you think that's imposter syndrome that you are getting better, but you don't think you are. not imposter syndrome. It's just adapt. It's adapting to my environment. But if you're pretending, then you're actually are. No, I just got really good at pretending to be social. I think a lot of people do that, to be honest. Pretend to be social. More people do that than you would think. Yeah. Most introverted people are that way. Then why do you do something like that? Like start making music, put yourself out there. Like I said, dude, money, like money, money can't buy you anything other than fuck you. No. And maybe. So but a I lot was of people don't say, have the, the, do you think anyone can make money like that? Yes. Yeah. I think it's a do I think that me being lucky and going to a very awesome school in high school completely changed the trajectory of my life. hundred percent. It's all relative and it's all about nature versus nurture. And it's all about your upbringing. I had to unlearn a lot of things. Do you want to have a kid? Of course. How would you raise them? Oh my God. Like I've spent like my entire life, like making a list inside my head of what my mom should have did differently. And what my dad should have done differently, like not blaming them for anything. It's just like, I learned a lot of things that I wish I would have known that I wasn't told about. And I think that list that I've been compiling for like, you know, my entire life is what's going to help me be a good father. How many do you want? Two. How are you going to raise them? When a no pair? <laughs> nah, I'm fucking with you. Nah, um, I'm just going to do my best. Let them adapt. Yeah. I mean, I really believe in teaching your children a foreign language when they're younger. So, like, my kids are definitely going to speak Russian. My, my wife is Russian. So, um, I definitely want my children to speak a, a, a second or third language. Um, having my children play a musical instrument when they're younger is going to be a necessity. Um, 
not really too concerned with sports. I was forced my entire childhood to play sports when I wish I probably would have been forced to play like piano or something. But then again, like, you know, like it's hard to tell like what your, what your kid's going to be interested in, like when they get 20. Right. Yeah. Like, so it's like, whatever. My dad thought like, you know, I will right, we'll just make them play baseball. Like, but having your father as your coach wouldn't recommend it. You can send them to another country. <laughs> huh? You can send them to another country. My children. Yeah. Man, that shit was amazing. Um, if I ever worked overseas, yeah, I'd bring them with me. Do you think your Kansas life not having everything go great early on gave you the kind of drive to want it to, you know, like if, cause your no, kids never... are, your kids are probably going to come up definitely more comfortable than you are. You did. Oh yeah. I was dirt poor, dude. Like I, my dad kind of like was not in the picture for like, until I was like maybe 12 or And then you went to live with them in Russia. Yeah. So my mom like finally got tired of me and was like, you need to go live with your dad. So my and you had no sisters, relationship with them before that I did. I would see him like every other weekend, but I think for like a, a long time until I was like maybe five or whatever, I didn't see him at all. I don't think. And then you went to Russia. Yeah. So then when I moved with my father and lived with my father, then I moved overseas with him when he got that job there. Damn. We didn't even talk about his job there. That shit's wild. No one would even believe me if I told him that shit. What was his job? Um, so Russia and the United States basically came to a decision and, and signed a treaty that the United States government would pay for a program to track their nuclear weapons, ICBMs, in return for the U.S. getting a, a copy of, of the information of where those were in transit, location-wise, etc. So my father would actually go to a lot of uh, launch sites, um, like out in Siberia and like out, you know, out east like far to like weird places in russia and he'd like they'd put a bag over his head drive around in circles for an hour to confuse him and then finally take him to the location yeah. take it off let him do his work put it back on drive what, around and what for, did he do so he is a is an electrical engineer but his main focus was so he worked for a company called black and veach and he was part of the federal division of black and veach so they did all the government contracting so when there was a government, so you contract, have that thing in your brain, like what thing? Computers. No technology. Technology. My dad. My dad has like a fucking master's in mathematics. Like I suck at math. You were the fucking CTO of Capital One. That doesn't mean I'm good at math. No, but it's a technology. Math is not a technology, bro. <laughs> That's how dumb I am. No, I mean actually, there. I guess you could say math is. It, it, math is heavily involved in technology. That's why, but I feel like that does make sense. But not in programming. Like a lot of people think that programming is like all math. And that's not true. I rarely had to do many math. Like, so you don't think what he did affected what you do at all? I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know. I've never thought about it. What'd your mom do? Uh, my mom was a grocery bagger at a grocery store. What's their means? As a single mother. How'd they meet? My dad and my mom? Yeah. In Iowa. In, at high school in Iowa. Oh, they went to high school together? Yeah. Okay. You grew up without him until five? What happened at five? I started seeing him every other weekend. Why? I don't know. Maybe you felt guilty? Yeah. 
my uh my grandfather this is such a weird thing i don't really talk but my grandfather on my mom's side had like a whole other family that he just like up and left and like my whole childhood i was told i was the only grandchild and like he had full-on other grandchildren like he had a full-on other family yeah i mean that's such a weird like i don't know that's just a weird thing like do you see yourself like i could never see myself not seeing my family um I don't know. The weird thing is, it's like, I didn't realize how weird my family was until I met other families. <laughs> I, I feel you know the exact, I mean? I yeah. think everybody's like that. 100%. So like, and then you're like, yeah, no family's really normal, but like, for example, my family, like nobody shows emotion like at all. Like my sisters, like I am not close with my sisters. Like very, I'm not very close with them at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think my dad has ever said like, Oh son, I love you. Like in my life. Like, and my mom was always kind of like, you know, she had her own problems. So and then she was fucking working so much, man, to yeah. try to provide for three kids herself. Like, that shit's tough, man. So it's so like, I don't blame her for it. I don't blame any of them for anything, to be honest. No. At that age, at age 20, and like, and at the age of 25, having three kids, that shit's rough. I couldn't imagine that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine, like, at my age, having three kids, like, being yeah, having hard, the... Dude got to give a lot of respect to people that have I, kids young. that's such a thing about growing up i used to blame my parents for shit and then i was like no nah, they're just real they had to they were de- throwing a bad like that's people it's like, luck yeah. it is luck because it's bad luck some shit can just happen like well i think any any person any child will get to the point or yeah you'll get to a point in your life where you look at it completely differently and you say like well they're just human beings just like i am they're gonna yeah. make mistakes they're gonna fuck up but i think a lot of people don't do that and it holds them back oh hell yeah but then again it's all relative like they could have went through something way worse than we we could even comprehend so it's like we can't just you can't ever judge anybody because you don't know what anybody's been through yeah and then it sucks because the second you start wanting to tell people what you've been through you feel like an asshole like yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't you should just have to like deal with it and what you've done is what you've done like and what's happened to you is what's happened to you and like you should move on like not move through that sounds weird but it's like i don't know i shouldn't i shouldn't have to explain i should just go you know it feels weird whenever i try to like explain something all right last question make it a good one last question i don't give a fuck about the last question stars you were supposed to come in here and say some dumb shit i don't know what this is do you have an announcement so we do have an announcement mr stars coleman the man that's right there the man with the plane hey come over here stars yeah, come here, stars <laughs> at least up the viewings <laughs> oh g4 you lost a lot of weight oh <laughs> there it is G four is going to kill you. No, he's not. Yeah, he will. You're (laughs) fucked. G four, please, dude, leave him alone. (laughs) Hell no, choke this motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, yeah. So, anyways, like from a Lord Ma perspective, I'd like to say, like, welcome to the team, Sars Coleman. (laughs) Oh wow. Yeah. 
so Sarge Coleman is going to be working with us. We're doing an album here, uh, starting to work on it here in January. And uh, not exactly sure when it's going to come out yet, but it's going to be fully produced by Ford and uh, Sound Lord. Uh, it may have some beats from me on there, too, if I'm lucky. But, you know, every time I send stars a beat, I get the toilet seat emoji. So <laughs> toilet seat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Congratulations on that. For real. Thank yeah, for you, real. Sam Buck, man. Thank you, guys. I'm happy for this you. Is, yo, he's going to be a fucking star. It's so about to be on. And Stars. I would just like to say, if you don't know Stars Coleman's music, please check out his song called Weed Fiend and a song he did with Lennox Hughes called Ten Plates and actually another song called The Cutoff. I know he's ugly as shit, but his art is great. And I eat ass. I eat ass. Go check that out. Yeah, that's yeah. how he actually got the deal. It's single. You know what I mean? He ate me, fucks his ass, and that's why we're giving this announcement. Why do we do interviews with this guy? <laughs> That was, it. that was that was my appearance right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. All right. So, all right, is there nothing else you want to ask before we go? Do you get starstruck at all? No, no. That's what you. That's your last question. Yeah, that's my last fucking question. Okay, all right. No, you're a really good interviewer. Um, <laughs> that sounded disrespectful. No, no, no. That was actually genuine. See, it's all relativity. I should have brought SARS over here to school you on quantum mechanics. Yo, no, for real. He knows He knows everything about, well, I wouldn't say everything, but he knows a shitload about quantum mechanics. He also knows about the secret menu at every fast food restaurant. Well, if he knew, if you knew about quantum mechanics, you would understand why well, that's important. Have you ever heard of quantum, quantum entanglement? I actually have. Explain it to me. I can't explain it. You, you didn't say, it. do I know what it is? I said, have you heard of it? All right, I'll explain just this real quick to the viewers because I think it's actually important. If no one cares, then fuck them. They can turn the goddamn podcast off. I just want to know who uh, you got. Quantum entanglement. So think of it this way. This is how Einstein would break it down. And he actually called it spooky action at a distance before it was called quantum. Oh, we talked about this on the last, yeah, about the yeah. gloves at the pole. Well, I was going to explain it, but thanks, man. Right. Just Google gloves at poles. <laughs> it's five o'clock. Yo, we know, we know whatever he wrote shit. <laughs> Ha, <laughs> <Please. laughs>